You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope everything is fine and splendid and awesome wherever this audio file may have found your ears. Got a couple things to get into before we get into today's show, and one of them is free pedals. You like free pedals or free guitar gear or just, you know, kind of, you know, who knows what it might be. Well, I've talked about this a few times, but if you are playing along on the Tone Mob newsletter, then you already know all about it. Once a month, I send out an email with a trivia question about something that was talked about at some point in the month on the podcast, and the first person to respond to that email with the correct answer to that trivia question gets themselves whatever that piece of gear might be that week. I mean, it could be could be anything. It's going to be something guitar-related, but it could be pedals, could be a slide, could be strings, could be who knows. It's kind of whatever I stumble across that I think works for a good prize. So you just got to go to ToneMob.com, and there's a little tab that says Join the Mob. You put in your information there, and boom, you're entered, and then all you have to do is what you're doing right now. Listen to the podcast, and check your email, because it, it, they come in at random times. So... You never know. Most of the time, it's going to be just a a a like a weekly episode announcement. So in case you missed it, that's just a little reminder, and maybe a few updates with some of the goings on in Tone Mob Land. But other than that, I'm not selling these email addresses. I'm not doing anything with them other than updating you with stuff that you're going to want to hear about. So that's where you go to check all that stuff out. I also need to tell you about Gun Street Wiring Shop. Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon. It's where you go for custom wiring harnesses. Yes, they can make you the harness of your dreams. So whatever you're, you know, maybe you've been just looking at that old tired Stratocaster in the corner and just you were just wishing that maybe you could you could squeeze some crazier sounds out of it. Well, you can do that with the wiring harness upgrade. You can change it back to, you know, old school. You can make it weird. You can do whatever. All you have to do is go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and shoot Sean an email. He's going to fix you up. He knows exactly what you need. He's always down to do crazy custom stuff that really, honestly, I don't think anybody else really does. So make sure you check out Gun Street Wiring Shop today and tell him that Blake sent you, please. I also need to tell you about Stringjoy. Stringjoy Custom Guitar Strings out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Scott and I, we've been you know working together on various projects over the years. Like We've been, you know, we've been working together a long time. And... Uh, through that, he's really educated me about a lot of a lot of different things about strings. I I had no idea there was so much to know. In fact, I'm actually I'm actually testing some prototype experimental things out right now, which uh, which I mean the level of detail that goes into this is crazy. Sometimes down to the the thousandth of an inch just makes the bendiness of a string or lack thereof so much different. Uh, and you know the the amount of wraps that go on to the heavier strings. I didn't even know, this is how dumb I am, I didn't even know that like most bass strings were compound wound. Like they have multiple wraps around the same core wire to create a bass string or some of the really heavy guitar strings. I didn't know. I thought it was all just one thing because I'm not that smart. But Scott knows what's up. You go to stringjoy.com, you can get awesome custom strings, exactly what you need for your exact guitar made to your exact specs, and if you don't know what you need, they're more than willing to help out and talk you through your tunings and your scale length and what your preferred kind of feel is. That's that's their whole deal, is customization and just making everybody happy. So go to stringjoy.com and check them out. And also, if you're going to be in 
in Nashville for Summer Nam, they're having a party or shindig or some sort of get together after after the show on Thursday. I don't know all the details, but I do know it's at the Stringjoy shop and I'll be talking about it because I'm I'm definitely going to be there. So if you are going to be in Nashville, we should meet up there and hang out. It's a great time. Okay, I think that's it for the house cleaning this week. I was able to keep it a little more condensed. That's kind of how I like it. And my guest this week is Andy Weber from Whale Hazard Guitars. He makes some really beautiful instruments. I've gotten the chance to play one at uh, Co. Schneider's One Day event that was here in Portland here. Uh, I don't know, maybe last summer? I can't remember exactly when it was. But yeah, I got the, the chance to go check out some of his work, and it's it's really, really nice, and I've been following him on, on Instagram and all that stuff. So go check out Whale Hazard Guitars. But first, enjoy this conversation with Andy. He makes wonderful stuff, and he's a great guy to talk to. All right, into it. Woo. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Andy Weber from Whale Hazard Guitars. What's happening, man? Hey, Blake. Not much. How are you doing today? Well, you know, we're just hanging in there doing the doing the thing like always. We've, yeah, you were uh, said you're wrangling children this morning. I was doing a little children wrangling. There was a little... Uh, little toddler toddler juggling as i like to call it but we got through yeah. it so we're doing all right cool the real problem was the guy with his massive subwoofers that wanted to pull up right behind my my uh, shed out here and just he just he was just partying this morning he just really wanted to have a good time and and let everybody be involved sure what was he listening to i don't i, I don't know all i could hear was right that's all i heard so i don't I'm not well, the, the, sure what it was. Sure, the idea is that if the if your woofers are good enough, then it doesn't matter what you're listening to, right? I think that's the theory. Yeah, I I have it fairly fairly quiet out here, but like a lot of people, well, nobody would know because they can't see it. But it's it's right next to a, a parking lot, so I've got like a big hedge in between, and so it doesn't feel like it's in the middle of town. But you go right on the other side of the hedge, and there's a parking lot there. And I get all sure. kinds of interesting people pulling up literally behind my house and, you know, saying and doing very strange things because <laughs> they don't realize that there's a house right on the other side of where they're at. They think they're like being sneaky or something. I don't know. Right. Right. Well, I'm sitting at my desk here with the window open and it's, you know, it's so it's possible there might be some airplanes going overhead or, you know, there's sound carries really well up here, too. So sometimes uh, from half a block away, there would be a car crash or something on this busy street and it's certainly possible a cat might jump up here and yell into the <laughs> microphone at some point. So just good. That's that makes for good podcast. Yeah. So where is up here, by the way, I'm not even sure exactly where <clears throat> up here is. Well, I meant upstairs, uh, but uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So um, yeah, I'm kind of right in the heart of South Minneapolis here. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I like it quite a lot. Well, let's get to, let's just get into it then. Uh, what's uh, what's your story, Andy? How did you get in? Nobody just jumps in one day and is like, you know what? I'm a guitar builder. I'm a luthier. You got started somewhere. What's your what's your story? Yeah, well, I feel it's, uh, most days I feel like I'm still starting. Um, every day I have to kind of start over, you know, and be like, all right, how figure out today how do I do this? Um, but you know, I don't know. Um, it's a uh, 
I kind of I kind of came to guitar late. Um, I didn't really play guitar until I was probably a junior in high school. Um, started to learn, um, but I I always you know did musical stuff. My parents made me take piano lessons when I was really little, um, and I couldn't wait to be done with that. So then I joined the the school band and played trumpet all the way through high school. Um, and now as an adult, I really wish that I had either stuck with the piano, which is a, you know, a useful instrument or done something, you know, I, I don't know. It's a, I've done something other than play trumpet all those years. Cause I, I learned a lot about music, but I, I don't care about playing trumpet anymore and I probably never will again. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but I've always been into, you know, the sound of an electric guitar has always been something that's been pretty intriguing to me. Um, it's when I was a kid, my dad listened to a lot of Zeppelin, um, Dire Straits, that kind of kind of stuff. Um, the Beach Boys, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a, an evolution of that. And I grew up in a pretty small town in Northeast Iowa. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't, it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that you could just, you know, just be in a band and you didn't have to know what you're doing or have good gear or anything like you just, you just you can just do it uh and that was a, that was a revelation to me um and so yeah like i said i started i started playing acoustic learning acoustic guitar in high school and then i bought my first electric in college um just a you know squire strat came with the amp in the box um i still have that guitar it's a i love the neck on it the hardware is junk and the pickups have been swapped out a million times um yeah and you know i kind of what is it I also, what's that what is it sorry what kind of guitar oh, it's a squire strat squire strat okay sorry yeah yeah the 100 one that comes in a box with an amp for 150 bucks you know exactly i know the type yeah yeah um and i don't know i always um so i always kind of w was into tinkering around with things and taking things apart and maybe sometimes putting them back together successfully um so that, you know, that first guitar I took, I took it apart and put it back together a million times. And I never, I also, I also studied sculpture in college. So, um, and my dad also used to be a cabinet maker and now builds timber frame homes. So I knew a lot of woodworking, um, just kind of all of those things came together, you know? Um, and I was like, well, I, I feel like at some point I realized that probably when, you know, looking at forums and things on the internet that's like oh you can just build a guitar out of out of wood like these pieces are all wood and there's some stuff bolted to it and like i know i know enough woodworking i can do that so you know i thought i'd give it a try and it for a long time i didn't have the space to do it or tools so i kind of i tinkered around with electronic stuff and i built a few you know clone pedals here and there um and i had no idea what i was doing with electronics back then either um some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then I built a guitar. It was kind of terrible and really ugly. Um, so I decided to build some more. And then, I don't know, they keep getting better. People seem to like them. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. They have a really unique look to them. Uh, and I found that that can be really difficult, at least. I mean, you can make a unique guitar. That's not the hard part. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's, pr it's pretty easy to come up with a shape that's not really been done before. As we can see when we walk around Nam, 
uh, it's relatively simple to come up with a new shape. To come up with a new sure. shape that is as aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing as what you've came up with, and it like still looks like a guitar, but also not really like anything we've seen, but kind of. That's mm. that's where the magic is. Like, how do you approach that process? You know, well, you know, so you're probably mostly talking about the Andromeda, right? That's the kind of my my flagship shape. Um, uh, that one, you know, it's a well. So, as I was saying, I built the first one. I built was a pretty ugly thing. It's real. It looked like if you know, if BC Rich designed something for Batman, sort of deal. Um, real heavy <laughs> and clunky. Uh, and I built a few one-off things for some some friends here and there. Um, and kind of working on honing that sort of sort of sort of uh, design, but it wasn't until I came up with the Andromeda that I had kind of decided that I wanted to do something that's more of kind of a production thing. That's like, okay, this is going to be like this is going to be the platform, um, this is going to be the shape and the geometry of it, and I can kind of, you know, being a one-man shop, I can kind of do in- infinite variations on that. Um, with colors and inlay schemes and wood and things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I don't, my designs aren't that, that out there, you know, like you're saying it's still, they still look like guitars and they're certainly inspired by, um, inspired by vintage instruments. Um, and the, uh, um, I guess I kind of have a sort of a, a visual vocabulary of, of lines and, and shapes that I've been drawing and making, you know, I studied art in college, um, did a lot of sculpture, but also some, you know, painting and drawing and the same sort of shapes keep coming up. Um, the same sort of like line quality, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does. And so I, I keep, I find that stuff keeps reappearing in my work. And as I'm designing a guitar, you know, I start with, start with a center line and you know the scale length and these are the these are the mechanical things that need to line up right and then can kind of go from there and do whatever i want with it um and the andromeda shape certainly is inspired some by a a, you know a gibson sg um kind of it's got a really long neck and the way where the where the neck joins the body um so you can get all the way up to the 24th fret um likewise the symmetrical bevels on the front and back is a little bit inspired by that you know shape wise it doesn't look anything like that but i was gonna say some... i never would have pulled that out of it just looking at it sure but and i'll know, be posting these those... on instagram and all that stuff for anybody that uh is curious they can probably pull this up uh, on the tone mob instagram and see exactly what we're talking about right now not if you're driving don't do it if you're yeah, driving don't do that. no but it's really i'm looking at it right now and i'm going i'm going wow uh, yeah an sg is never never what i would have hold out of that if you had asked me but now that you've mentioned it i can totally see it in exactly the details you're you're talking about there that's really cool yeah but again it's not the it's not the shape of it so much as it is those kind of like those contours um and and just kind of the the geometry of it um but yeah you know i'm always inspired by um kind of retro sci-fi art that sort of thing is is really interesting to me also kind of art deco art nouveau sort of sort of things um i'm always thinking about design um and that's a way that i as a a builder that nobody's heard of can you know get my stuff 
to get get a little attention on my stuff because um, it's at this point too you know you're talking about designing designing an interesting shape is is easy but it's you know it i'm at a point where i feel like designing a guitar that plays and sounds great is i've done it enough that i can do that consistently and i feel really good about my instruments so what can i do then to take the next step to you know make them make them something that's going to jump off the shelf or off the rack and make people want to play them um and so hopefully my unique design sense can can help me out there you were talking about you know some of your inspirations there and i'm not really sure if there's a a an easy way to segue into this but i i'm sure you get this question all the time and it was one of the number one things i wanted to ask you which is the name whale hazard uh, yeah. that is that something that i should i should immediately understand or is that is that there's something there that i'm just missing where, where did that come from uh no there's nothing to understand and it's never as good a story as people might think it's going to be um you, I, you know i don't know i don't think i was even looking for a brand name yet at this point um so i don't know the timeline of it but um someone had posted probably on facebook a you know like a pirate name generator and the name was Nathaniel Whalehazard. Two Z's, no. I believe. <laughs> that is so not, not interesting. That is not at all what I was expecting. I was like prepared for this, like, well, there's this obscure character in Dune that like, you know. That's what <laughs> oh, I was that would be way better. That's what I was prepping for. But uh, you know, hey, pirate name generator is is just as valid well, so, of a way as anything. Well, so for somebody who grew up in Northeast Iowa, I've always been pretty fascinated by maritime history. Um, my dad's always loved boats, um, and he got me into that stuff when I was a little kid, you know. Um, and so, I, and specifically the period of time when you know, like the the New England um, like whaling business, what is a is a really interesting and unique like historical period that. There's never nothing like that has ever quite happened before, you know. Guys going out and risking their lives for years at a time just to, you know, try and kill whales for oil and like that's crazy. Um so I've I've read a bunch of books about it and it's it's always fascinating to me. And so, you know, that the combination of the words whale and hazard were really interesting to me. Um and then at one point I was probably just doodling and came up with the logo and I was like, Well, that makes for a pretty sweet logo, you know. So that's kind of and I still kind of struggle with it, you know, would I be better off having my name on these or, you know, I don't know, but that's, I, that's where I'm at right now. I don't think so, actually. Um, you know, if I was just to put that, the marketing hat on for a second, I, I, I think that's part of what makes, I mean, they're unique instruments. They have a unique look to them. You know, everything about them is pretty unique, including the name. And I feel like, you know, when our mutual friend Co, who's been on the podcast before, uh, mm -hmm. introduced us. I, that's why, like, that's something that stuck. I I had played one of your guitars at one of his shows, and that's the one that I remembered the most. A because it was my favorite, and B because it the name just stuck in my head. I'm like Whale Hazard. I'm not gonna forget that. So I I don't think if I think if you switched it and put Weber on there, it wouldn't have qu mm -hmm. quite the punch. Weber's a nice name, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's not punchy. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's boring. It's a uh... It's not any, you know, it's like if I put Wyland on there, it would I would say the same thing. Like Whale Hazard's a probably, probably better choice. I think it's cool. Uh, and sure. 
it fits the vibe too in a right. in an interesting way that I don't think people would expect if they haven't been exposed to them before. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I look at other other guitar brands and often it is just somebody's last name or else it's something that has to do with, you know, some weird pun or play on words that has to do with music or gear or you know, and a lot of those those all blend together for me too unless it's a, you know, a well-known brand that's somebody's last name, but even though that's just somebody's name. So I don't I don't know. That's 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 what I've got. It's well, I'll stick with it for now, especially it's starting to get a little bit of attention. So, and yeah, I like think, I said, I, I enjoy the logo and it makes for cool inlay on the headstock. Let's talk about the inlays a little bit. I was going to go somewhere else, but I do want to talk about the inlays. I physically understand how an inlay works and how somebody how somebody would physically do it. I get it, but like the amount of skill that I that 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 you guys have that you're able to do these intricate inlays blows me away. Cause not only do you have to be really good with design and really good with, you know, the art itself to make, make a good inlay pop and make it work on an instrument. But then there's the actual physical part of doing it. Like, how did you de- develop those skills? And did it come naturally or is it easier than I'm thinking? Like, can you just talk about what goes into doing an inlay job like that? Uh, sure. Uh, well, it's not easy. It's a, it's, it's a pain in the ass every time. Um, but it's, for me, it's, it, it's a, a set of skills that works well with the way my brain operates. Um, I'm, I'm, I often have trouble focusing on things. Um, but a task like that, that involves sitting down and really, you know, intense level of concentration and detail work. Um, if I can get into that, that's something I can do all day without, you know, thinking about it or, or, or being distracted easily. Um, but it's, I learned to do it just by doing it. Um, I had, there's a couple of books by Larry Robinson, um, that I read several times and thought, well, I'll give it a try. You know, um, it was, that was one of the things early on that attracted me to building guitars, um, was was looking at inlays and um thinking about doing it and you know, like I, just the the kind of the juxtaposition of either shell or metal or something like that um with with wood and in particular exotic wood you know uh, like a white mother of pearl and on rosewood is super simple but it always looks good you know oh um, yeah every time so just just aesthetically that's something that draws me in and that kind of it's a it's an interesting combination of textures as well um so yeah i don't know i just kind of always was fascinated by it and again it was one of those things where it's like well i bet i could do that um and i did it poorly a, a lot um and still do from time to time um but i've done it enough that i've you know certainly started to develop a reputation for it um and it's interesting because the, the design process of it is is hard. It's that's really difficult. It's it's easy for me to sit down and cut out cut out pieces of shell and then route out the fretboard. Um, but getting a you know, I do a lot of I have a couple of designs that I've repeated, but um, for the most part, especially when I'm doing a commission, everybody's getting a custom inlay um, and trying to do something that's unique and interesting. 
is is a difficult thing to do and people come to me with ideas like i want this crazy thing and i want this to do this all you know kind of i can't think of any good examples right now but some really weird and wild ideas where (laughs) my challenge is then to figure out how to uh kind of make that work make their idea work with my design sense and my aesthetic because it's certainly easy to get to do too much in lay to get over you know just make it it can it can get gaudy really fast um and so it's, right it's uh yeah trying to trying to find that balance of of, of interesting cool ornate design and still have a classy you know because i think of the whole guitar as a as one composition you know so it's like the colors on this on the headstock need to match with you know what's going on on the fretboard and the body and you know, think about the plastics need to work together and all of that stuff um so in general i try to with inlays you know one i usually end up sticking with you know maybe two or three colors um to try and keep it all cohesive and there's a guitar I built for the um, Vancouver International Guitar Festival last summer, um, the semi-hollow Andromeda. Um, I'm sure you've seen that's got a Clara walnut top, and it's got all sorts of blue and white inlay um, oh, yes. on the body as well. Um, mm-hmm. I have seen it. Yeah, so that like that one that's got a lot going on, but it's I try to keep the individual bits of it fairly simple. You know, and it's mm-hmm. real complicated. There's inlay going through the F hole on that and it crosses over the binding. Um, I inlaid on the pick guard and it continues onto the body, all that kind of stuff. Um, so really complicated, just kind of technical details, but the design itself is not, not super overwhelming or in your face. And again, that one's got, you know, just a handful of colors. It's basically the walnut top. There's the blue and white inlays and then the back of the, guitar is kind of that same sort of like sonic blue color um, mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a really it's a it's a very stunning instrument to be honest it looks it looks really i've seen that guitar a few times and on the interwebs mm-hmm. and it's it it just really pops i dig it quite a bit cool thank you yeah that one and that one sounds great too so uh and it's also for sale am i allowed to say that no i'm cutting that oh. out you can't say okay. that don't use how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. But, um, this podcast is over. How dare over. you? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Done. I'm gonna go yeah. turn my subs back on. Yeah. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm parked behind your house. Not creepy um, at all. No. Um, so yeah, I don't know what we're talking about inlay. Uh, oh yeah, yeah I do. I don't I know. know something. I, so here's sure. I'm sure I'm not the only one who wants to know this. We've, We've got all sorts of different kinds of people that listen to the show, but I know for a fact a few of them are luthiers. Do you mind sharing any uh, any tips, tricks, or things you've learned along along the way, specifically about the physical process of doing inlay work? Anything you've like ran into, like, hey, don't use this kind of glue because it, you know, it shrinks the. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of an example, but I'm not doing a very good job. I think you know what I'm saying. Sure. Well, the number one thing I would say is uh, by Larry Robinson's book. Um, I believe the art of inlay is the one. Um, um, I believe that's the one. Um, it's great. Um, 
you know, I just found a new new brand of jeweler saw blades that I really like that I don't have any idea off the top of my head what brand it is. Um, I could text you later if you want to oh, post that's cool. that. Um, that's okay. Uh, boy, so technically, yeah, I don't know. Well, so the other, th talking about uh, the design process of it, the difficult part is, I love to draw and I've always drawn a lot, but I'm not a great drafts person. So getting my ideas to a refined design. So, you know, you're working with a jeweler's saw blade that's, you know, a, less than a tenth of an inch um, wow. wide for sure. Um, and it's, you know, so in order to get a clean, accurate cut, you need to have your, the lines of your design need to be as clean and tight as possible. So for me, that process involves, and Larry Robinson talks about it in his book that you, just refining your lines over and over and over again until you have a really tight, clean, hard line um, is going to give you the best results with the least gaps. Um, yeah, and to trying to think other things technically. I don't know. Don't be afraid to change your blade all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you always want a sharp blade, especially cutting pearl can be a little tricky. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing I would say is if you think it's not perfect, you'll find that most people are never going to see it from any closer than a couple of feet away. So those gaps kind of, you know, disappear. If but you know, if you're not happy with it, do it again. I've done that lots of times too. It's just kind of that's certainly something about building guitars in general. It's you know, if I've done lots of things that are run up to my standards and had to redo them. Um I I do everything the slow way. Uh started to build a build a reputation for a, attention to detail. And I'm still looking at things that I that I've that I do now and being like, well that's you know, that's not perfect. I better throw this whole thing away. Um, and I do that every day. Uh, but I've come to real come to realize that nobody's looking at the things I'm looking at. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Cause I feel like as, as someone who appreciates a really nice, well-made instrument, but I'm not, a am not a builder of, uh, I feel like I would be looking for the same things that you would be looking for, but is you find that's not the case. Like you just have a different eye for, for things or is that um, the kind of the luthier mindset in general or, or why do you think that I is think, that people miss it? I think it certainly is a luthier mindset in general but um, I've also come to realize that I maybe am a little too focused on that sort of stuff sometimes um, you know I used to do construction with my dad like in college and stuff and there'd be things I'd be like, well, that's, you know, that two by four is a little crooked. And he's like, that's going to be inside the wall. No one's ever going to see it. But like, I can just kind of eyeball stuff like that sometimes. Um, and then I worked, you know, worked on uh, some full, some part-time at a printing press for 10 years, like a photo lab oh. printing press. Um, and, you know, I was looking for really tiny, minuscule printing flaws and things like that. I'm sure that has added to my attention OCD. to detail and yeah <laughs> yeah yes that's a good better word for it probably um but yeah and you know i've talked to a few people about it like i kind of i started doing this on my own i don't have any real training i didn't apprentice with anybody um so i kind of i and i don't get to see very many boutique guitars here like um certainly not like you know super high-end ones um 
there are a few people around town doing it and doing some really good stuff but you know the big name legendary people the 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 big stuff i don't you know i didn't really grow up even seeing that so i kind of i kind of started doing it thinking everything needed to be absolutely perfect you know and if it's not perfect then it's not it's not good enough um but i've come to come to see having been to a few shows now that it's like oh yeah well i guess my finished work holds up with all of these all of this other stuff and you know i've gotten good good feedback from other other builders about that too and I I wouldn't say that my finish work is is phenomenal but I've you know I've had a lot of people tell me that I that I'm really good at it um and so that I don't know I don't know what they're looking at but Andy it's a Andy, let me tell you you're really good at yeah. it Yeah okay <laughs> just <laughs> take you. the compliment and and just just know that you're really good at it <laughs> Well so I've uh yeah so well so that's certainly been a confidence booster um it took me you know a long time of several years of refinishing things over and over and over again until i was even comfortable enough taking them to like a local store to try and sell them um but now i've gotten some stuff out there you know and sending one sending that one to to co for the one day show you played the green one right green andromeda yep cool yeah so you know i sent that one there and i got a lot of really good feedback on that you know um i got to do uh the Luthierist podcast as a result of that, you know, cause Paul saw, Paul saw it and, uh, Jason Rogers saw it and they, you know, wanted to, wanted to talk about it. And I was like, well, if, if those guys think my finished work is good, then, you know, that definitely makes me feel a lot better. Um, knowing I, I haven't got to talk to him for, for a, a little while, but knowing Paul, the way I do, if Paul, if Roni says that your, your finished works good, your finished works good. Trust me. Sure. Well, <laughs> so I've got he's a very OCD individual as well. So if he's if he's stamping approval on it, then I, I you should feel good about that. In my in my opinion, because he I, he makes the he made the guitar that I play probably more than any of my other guitars. My Oceana. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've seen that one. It's sweet. Um. Yeah. So I I've I've ne I've never played I've never played one. I'd love to someday. But um. Yeah, well, so like I said, I went to the last summer and did the Vancouver International Guitar Festival, and that was my first, um, first like big real guitar show, and I was, you know, I was really freaked out about it and really nervous. Just logistically, it was a nightmare getting stuff to Canada and all that. Um, but then it was like, you know, there's going to be people there selling ten thousand dollar acoustic guitars, and I get a, you know, my stuff going to hold up in this sort of setting, and. And I felt really good being there and being like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm seeing I can walk by everybody else's table and, you know, see finished flaws or <laughs> I won't name any names, <laughs> but, you know, just like, I'm like, OK. And I got a lot, a lot of really good feedback from other builders who I, you know, whose work I I really like so that, you know, I'm I'm feeling good about the product I'm putting out at this point. Um, I still would love to not have to paint my own guitars because it takes me way too long. Um, I could build twice as many of them if I could afford to outsource that. With the way that you're wired, do you think you would ever be happy with someone else doing it though? Yeah, I, I've thought about that too. <laughs> and especially <laughs> now that I've, now that I've built a reputation for really good finish work, it's like, Oh man. Um, but I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I love, I love mixing colors and spraying a burst and that kind of stuff, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm using I'm using a water-based finish um which I've tried a lot of 
a lot of uh, different products and a lot of them are not up to par, um, but I've found a product that I really like and my process is getting me results that I, that I'm happy with. Um, so, um, you know, part of, part of progressing doing this and, um, having done it enough that I can at least know which things are, you know, which flaws, what flaws are acceptable, which things nobody's going to see. No, I know how to finish something, you know, complete something rather. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, so I'm, you know, I need to build a real spray booth. Um, I work from home. Um, I have a weird kind of root cellar room off of my laundry room that has some not very adequate, uh, fans venting out some ducts um <laughs> it catches most of the overspray it's not great you know there's the heat is not good in there in the winter time um so at some point i can convince my wife to let me knock a hole in the wall and put a big exhaust fan in um and a heater having a better yeah yeah that too um so <laughs> having a better better spray booth would help me um because as it is, I'm only able to do one guitar at a time, so I'd be better off being able to batch things and you know spray clear all day on a handful of guitars, um, kind of shuffle things around. Yeah, because um, like like almost anything, when you get into any sort of you know production work of any kind, it's like it seems to be the setup that kills you. It's like all the prep work to do the thing that you need to do is actually where like most of the time goes. It seems. So being able to set up and knock yeah, out, sure. you know, a whole bunch at the same time is where you end up being able to save yourself some time and, you know, cost and all that stuff, too. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they're they're like, why do why does a one off custom guitar cost more than, you know, this guitar? It's like, well, a lot of it at the end of the day is simply time. It sure. takes so much time to do what you do. I know. I'm yeah, and everything here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I still do I'm doing a lot of things the the slow way, um, the more complicated way, um, partly for aesthetic things, you know, so all my guitars are set neck. Um, you know, I do a scarf joint headstock, um, and there's a, you know, re, uh, head plate and there's a, you know, a bent back veneer, you know, on the volute back strap, if you, if you will. Um, so all of that stuff takes a lot longer than, you know, making a, a bolt on neck with a, you know, that's a one chunk of maple, um, with a fretboard. And, you know, I, I can certainly appreciate that aesthetic as well and the simplicity of it. Um, like I, I, I love a strat, you know, um, but that's not, not the kind of guitar that I, I want to build. I mean, even if it were a unique shape, maybe at some point I'll do a thought about doing a, a bolt on model of something just kind of to mix it up. Um, I don't know what that would be, but so yeah. I, so I wanna, it, sorry, uh, go ahead. I just wanted to dive back real quick to uh, you were talking about the Vancouver Guitar Show, and we talked oh, about yeah. a couple of builders that you that you that you know Paul and uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the guy his name who wrote your book that you suggested. Uh, that just oh Larry Robinson. Yeah, so Larry Robinson. Pretty much, he pretty much just does inlay stuff. He's kind of the the go to guy for that. Gotcha, gotcha. He's not just doing guitars then. He's he's just inlay master, basically. Yeah, pr pretty much at this point, I think. Yeah, you know, I where I was going. I don't, with I don't that, know. 
uh, where I was going with that question is you mentioned that there were, there were some other builders that you'd been looking up to that you were like, Oh good. My stuff is, you know, is you know, right there with theirs. Who can you mention some of the ones you've looked up to or inspired you over the years? Well, so specifically at the Vancouver show, some people that I met that I like their work a lot. Um, um, Matt Proctor from M-Tone Guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Port- you're in Portland, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's he's in Portland, and his stuff is just is just amazing. Um, each one is really unique, sculptural, um, just really cool. Everything's a little different, and um, I love I love everything he does. Um, and I was talking to him a lot about sculpture too, and kind of the I appreciate the immediacy of what he's doing with guitars if that makes sense um because mm-hmm. he's taken a body that's you know maybe he's got this shape that the body shape maybe is the same but he's carving something different on each one and he's making custom one-off like you know hammered kind of cast metal pieces and you know putting heat treatment on those things and all sorts of that kind of stuff i think is really cool and it's something that i miss about doing that kind of sculpture um as opposed to the guitars I'm building, by the time the guitar's done, I haven't done anything artistic on it in a long time, you know. So it goes back to the how much time it takes me to, to paint something and cure it and sand it and buff it, assemble it. Um, and so, like with the inlay work too, I love sitting down and doing starting a new sketch and making um you know making messy lines all over the place. But then by the time I get around to actually cutting those pieces out and gluing them in it takes there's there's no immediacy left to that you know i feel like the artistic part is done and now i'm just simply executing something um anyway that's a that's a tangent um so i really like m-tone guitars that's something particularly for that reason but i, lo- I love his designs too um um let's see uh, megan wells was at the show and she's building you know real top of the line arch tops oh yeah her stuff's beautiful absolutely amazing um yes really like heavily shaded like spruce tops which i think is really cool um the stuff she's doing with color i think is great um i i'm kind of obsessed with arch tops at the moment and that's something i really want to get into um because that's kind of like now i'm like now i've okay i've built electric solid body electric guitars i've got a flat top that i've started that's uh Oh, you know, very much on the back burner. But even getting halfway through that, I'm kind of like, oh, I want to, I want to build an arch top, just because there's some, some design elements to that that I think you can visually. I think it, it's a pretty, they're pretty stunning instruments in general. Um, but anyway, Megan's are a really nice, beautiful instrument, so I've always really liked her work. Um, and then uh, Yanazello stringed instruments, I think. Um, that one I'm not familiar with from toronto i believe i might get this wrong um but really nice a lot of like uh mandolins and kind of and some lap steels and things but they're really really bright colorful like kind of and he pays really nice attention to detail too kind of just like thinking about all of the plastic parts and he's making some of his own hardware um just really nicely so aesthetically more in line with the kind of things that I want to build where it's just really nice and polished and every single aspect of it is, you know, is, is a cohesive, really nice design. And, you know, 
flows together just and all that. Like, yeah, and real nice, perfect, you know, flat, glossy finishes. And yeah, so those were those were some of the things that I like the most. I'm trying to think about other builders. Um, yeah, you know, I've like I said, I've always I've always liked Paul Roney's stuff. I think his designs are really nice. Um, what else? You know, I'm I'm not. You know, I've been listening to some of your some of your previous podcasts to just prepare myself. Um, and I've never really been that much of a gear a gear guy, so it's not like until I started doing this, I wasn't even that aware of a lot of the you know boutique builders and and even now, like I said, just it's I'm not exposed to it that that much except on you know Instagram or whatever, which I've only had a smartphone for just over three years i think so i'm a little oh, behind wow. on all of it um okay i got I'll one so, so that i could get on instagram <laughs> oh sorry oh yeah, no, okay well no i want to i want to we need to <laughs> we need to talk about that a little bit you've only oh, had okay. a smartphone for three years yeah i think so that's yeah. that's interesting so you were a flip phone guy up until three years ago oh sure right? yeah and you only got it for instagram pretty much yeah um, there's all sorts of things that it's very useful for, and I, it's, I wouldn't know what to do without it at this point. Uh, although maybe I'd get more work done, but, uh, yeah, no, I got it. Cause I was like, well, I know this is an important for promoting, promoting my business. And, and also I think I wanted a better, yeah, just the option of being able to take pictures with it and post those and, and have, I think also have them go like directly to my Facebook page and stuff like that. Because before, as I got to dig out, dig out the you know digital SLR, plug a memory card into my laptop, and you know so I was still doing that all the time. Gotcha. Just and instead, you can just pull this out of your pocket and go, "There it is." <laughs> Click. Yeah. What so, the, I'm just trying to, I do want to ask you why did you why did you resist for so long? I I have I mean, there's a million reasons to not get a smartphone, and I actually, uh, since I am like. I run everything from, you know, from my phone, basically. Uh, It's like, it's kind of unfathomable for me to be able to imagine not having one. But I also, like, the real uh, human side of me sees, like, all the problems that they create as well. (laughs) So, why did you resist getting one for so long? Well, part part of it is that it just seems like, yeah, I don't know, I certainly was aware back then of people just being distracted by their phone even you know as as much as i am now all the time um so i know that's an issue but a lot of it is probably money um part of it is i just kind of a you know i can be good with technology when i need to be but i tend to resist it because it's not i don't know it's not how i want to spend my 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 brain capacity (laughs) You know, it's, I've got I've got better things to think about most of the time. Um, I don't know. Probably a lot of it was money, um, and I didn't really have much of a need for one yet. I think uh-huh. at that point, um, you know, I think we were probably still my band was probably still going on tour and printing off Google directions. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I remember I remember the first time we went on the road after I had a smartphone, and I was like, oh, this makes life way easier. You know. But uh, that's so crazy that it was that recent, you know, to me, because to most people like they were deep into smartphones by three years ago. Right. Like 
Oh, sure. Sure. Even sure. my dad well, I think, my, had an iPhone at that point. He is, he is I, as anti-technology as it gets basically. Yeah. I think my dad got one before I did. Um, but it's, yeah, well, and my wife works, you know, she does web design and, um, UI design and that kind of stuff or she, she did then. And so she's always, you know, has to have the, the latest iPhone for just for work, just to keep, mm-hmm. keep up with stuff. And I don't know. So I guess it was, if I needed direction somewhere, I could use her phone for that. Or if I needed, I don't, even now, you know, there's not a, not a ton of stuff that I need a smartphone for. Um, just listening to the Tone Mob podcast, that's all you need one for. It's the only reason well, to I get still have a, I, still, I still have an iPod for that. Oh, man. I remember those days. Like yeah. plugging into iTunes to download it for the day. That's yeah, I haven't I done still, that I in years. Do. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I listen to podcasts all day because I'm, you know, I'm working in the shop. And so, um, yeah, I still do that. Uh, I would have switched, but I... I have this the the newest edition iPod Nano or or whatever that they don't have, they haven't made now for several years also but I've got that one because it had a an FM receiver so I could listen to baseball on the radio. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. One of the reasons I'm still using that. So here's even even less high tech. They switched. This is a nobody cares about this. Yes they do. But yes they do. I care. Last season <laughs> last season the Twins radio broadcast switched to back to the AM station. So I bought a $20 little made in China, little rechargeable radio that has an AM. <laughs> so I'm carrying that around too. Cause it's also the, for some reason, the MLB app didn't work on my phone. I was like, okay, I guess I got to do this still, you know, the old way, listen to this on an AM radio. I was so going to say, kind of how there's I an app for that by now, but apparently there is, but it's not working. <laughs> I was going to go. Yeah, it didn't. I think it does now, but I already bought this little radio. So it's like, well, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It hey, it works. Yeah. I can't remember the last. So I, I've said this one before. There's, I can't remember the last time I've purposely turned on the radio to listen. Yeah, to something. It's been that's on. the only time I do pretty much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's been on when I've gotten the car or whatever, but it's not like I, I'm immediately like, okay, I got to plug my phone in so I can listen to what I want before I'm forced to hear another Mattress World commercial. Um, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I can understand that. But it's a, it's interesting to me to the just the way different people approach technology and how um, how it impacts their life, honestly, because it mine it's like technology is like becomes so integrated, I almost feel like a cyborg at times. I'm just like, I got like wireless headphones on, you know, and there's a, you know, somebody's calling and it's like in my skull, you know, (laughs) instead of answering. It's just a, it's a weird thing. And I've actually heard some people argue that smartphones essentially are, are sort of making us cyborgs. And then eventually that we will have them almost implanted in a way, like maybe not actually Mm -hmm. implanted, but but like, like it'll just be normal for everyone to walk around with a, you know, one earbud in or something. Whereas oh, sure. in, you know, five, five, six years ago, my boss, my, my boss, why did I say it like that? I turned into Mike Tyson for a second. My, <laughs> my boss, uh, was wearing one of those jawbone things like eight years ago and everyone was making fun of him. For oh, really? It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone was like, why is he walking around with that thing in his ear? Like, we don't know if he's talking to us. We don't know if he's. <laughs> 
talking to somebody on his phone. Granted, he was a weird person, but like um, now it's not that weird to see somebody walking around with like one AirPod in or one Bluetooth. Like that's just kind of normal. Back then, people well, were weird for that. Yeah, well, it's usually me. I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm walking around listening to podcasts all day. And I've got an earbud in. I don't have the fancy wireless ones, but uh, I will say I don't. I don't have AirPods. Like I have like these skull candy over the ear things, and I was resistant to the wireless for a long time because sound quality and latency and all that stuff. But if you're just listening to podcasts on it, the wireless is like really nice because I'm not like I, I found myself always just, you know, I was like building things, you know, it was like building a fort for my son last summer. And I, I am the type of person that when I have something to do like that, I get way more done if I have a podcast or something like that to listen to the whole time, it will keep me focused sure. rather than me getting distracted and wandering over and playing with fuzz pedals or something. Um, right. But that was the first time I'd actually worked with uh, with wireless headphones on. And I, I, I would say for what you're doing, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's more freeing than you might suspect. Like I'm I'm I love mine way more than I thought I would. I spent like 100 bucks on them and I'm like, these are worth like three hundred dollars. Like <laughs> these are awesome. So I, I recommend it if you if you feel like splurging. Sure. Well, you know, there's probably probably some guitar tools or parts that I would spend that money on instead. So I usually buy just the cheap, cheapo earbuds that and then they die after two months. But so maybe it would be better off getting the hundred dollar ones that last last a while. After you've ripped them maybe, out of your ears maybe someday. Like I uh, reaching for a brush or something and uh, just yank them out of your ears. I don't know. I was ripping mine out all the time. And they'd catch on something sure. just all of a sudden violently get ripped out of my ears. Um but anyway, Bluetooth headphones changed my life. That's all I know. Okay. Good, good to know. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. So we're getting we're getting kind of close to the the last last little bit of the show here. And I still had a few mm-hmm. questions I wanted to ask you. Um, but right now I was just curious if you want to plug anything. I know you already plugged your guitar for sale, but I, I guess we'll leave that in. But where can people sure. find you? What yeah. do you what do you want to tell people? This is your your chance to tell people stuff. Well, I'm, you know, whale hazard on Instagram and Facebook. If anybody still uses Facebook, it seems like it's pointless at this point, right? It's just for, just for influencing elections and whatnot. I um, mean, uh, we have a lot of fun in the tone mob Facebook group, but I don't know what oh, the rest I should, of it looks like. <laughs> sure. I should, I should join that. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Follow me on Instagram. I got a website, whalehazard.com. Um, I think it's got fairly up to date, uh, pictures on there. Um, Instagram is where all the stuff in progress is going to be. Um, I do need to do some updating on my website with just kind of new specs and things that I've kind of adjusted a few things on my guitars. But, um, you know, people can always email me. Um, I, you know, I'm, this is a pretty small business. I've only been doing it full time for just over two years. Um, I'm, you know, actively trying to find dealers um, and I'm, certainly have open spots for orders if anybody wants to commission something um you know give me give me a call it's there's no dumb questions i will inlay whatever you want within reason (laughs) um (laughs) be careful yeah i don't know be careful with saying like that oh boy i've had a lot of people uh, you know inquire about doing inlay in existing guitars and i'm like well certainly i can do that but they don't then want to pay to refret the whole thing 
well, you can't, I can't do it. The frets on there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess that's all I really have to plug is my business. Um, I'm doing a, let's see if you're in Minneapolis, there's a twin cities, uh, drum and guitar show at the end of July at uh, modest brewing. Um, that should be a pretty fun one. And then I'm doing the red, uh, or the great river guitar festival, um, in September in Red Wing, Minnesota. That should be pretty, pretty big one. Used to be the, uh, twin cities acoustic guitar festival, but they've moved it and added electric stuff. So, um, looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to get, build new interesting stuff. I've got a um, short scale base design that's hopefully I'll get around to starting this fall. Um, something I've been working on for a while. Um, trying to build an instrument that's a little more inclusive. Um, I sent out a survey to a bunch of, uh, well, to whoever. It's on my website if anybody wants to fill it out. Um, trying to get some feedback from um, both smaller players as well as you know, non-male players um just as far as the, get some feedback on the you know the marketing of things like that um i was thinking about the uh the ernie ball uh saint vincent guitar oh man thing's awesome yeah it is cool but i was like well you know i i appreciate where this is where this is coming from but aesthetically it's not really my thing so, you know, I was trying to talk to a lot of, you know, non, non-male players in my area to see, you know, what, what do you want out of a, out of a base, you know, try to build something that's a little, not just a pink, not something that's not pink and isn't, you know, doesn't have flowers on it just because, um, right. I do, uh, so I do, a, I do, a I volunteer to do a bunch of setup work for, it, um, an organization called She Rock, She Rock here in town. It does uh-huh. like um girls young girls rock and roll camps oh cool um which is a really cool thing and i'm always you know trying to promote them too and get because i think that's really important um and it's you know the gear community certainly is very male oriented and that turned even as a as a as a white male you know i'm not oppressed by anybody and i'm not you know i've got it pretty easy but i will it's just something that I, you know, as a someone who's building, I just, you know, do what I can to promote kind of inclusivity, certainly in the local music scene. Um, so if there's anybody out there that wants to, you know, give me some feedback on what they'd like to see in a short scale base, there's a survey on my website. Um, should be able to find it. I think it's still there. Um, Sweet. But yeah, it's it's weird. Something I've realized in the last, you know, year or so is that industry that i'm in is a you know i'm building a luxury good and that's that's a strange place to be um because why is that uh because it's you know they're i don't know the world doesn't need more electric guitars um the world needs like more solar panels and i don't know we've got five minutes left here get on get on a soapbox but you know so i've wondered we can go long you say whatever you want to say no, I'm not gonna get it. I'm not gonna get that much into it. Uh, I could go forever, but uh, that's, you know, this is a podcast. I that's what it's wonder <laughs> if I, yeah, yeah. Sometimes feel that's like I, if I if I could do something, you know, go back to school and learn to do something that would be more useful to the to uh, 
the planet. I don't know. I don't know what I've, so I've thought about that, but for now, the best I can do is try to, you know, volunteer some of my time to, uh, organizations like that. Um, try to promote things, but yeah, anyway, well, I that's a, a your, I think you're selling yourself short. I don't think you're looking at, I don't think you're quite looking at it the right way. Um, you know, like everyone's meant to do something, right? Some people are, are Steve Jobs and some people are, are, you know, changing the world in that kind of way. Um, I, I think that I don't think you should sell yourself short that what you're doing is not important or impactful to the world. I mean, yeah, you're making a luxury good and on at the heart of it. That's, that's what it is. You say the world doesn't need more electric guitars, but what if, what if one of your guitars inspires somebody in just, a, just such a way? You know, maybe that person, you know, writes a song that keeps somebody from shooting themselves in the face. You don't really know. I don't think you should. No, I don't that, think you should say what you're doing isn't important. I think it is. No, I didn't. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's unimportant. It certainly is important to me. Um, it's it, uh, something that keeps me keeps me uh, keeps me excited on a, on a daily basis. Um and if that's all it does, that's good too. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. Maybe, but you know, you know what I mean though? Just kind of the, um, I guess like high level. Yeah. From the top level down, does the world need more electric guitars? Probably not. I think we have more than we could ever play, but at the same time it does. <laughs> so sure. I don't know. That's how I feel about it anyway. Obviously, well, you need more it. electric guitars. Is that what you mean? Well, I need more, yes, because I am a gross <laughs> American consumer who must just consume and consume and consume. But uh, not everyone's like that. Sure. <laughs> um, but, but no, seriously, I, I don't know. I, I felt like you were beating yourself up there a little bit. And I was like, no, oh, man, no, 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 it's no, I'm I'm I love what I do um, and I want to keep doing it. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully people will keep buying them so I can keep making them because uh, like I said, I want to do it. Um, I want to, I got lots of, lots of fun ideas coming up. Um, no, I was just commenting on, you know, like that's, that's this volunteering is just like a small thing that I can do to kind of give back and gotcha. Um, I probably read more into it than what you actually intended. No, but I, I just, <laughs> I just kind of was, was reflecting on that's something that I've, I've thought about m more recently. Um, that I hadn't before. It's just that this is, this is a luxury good industry and that's, that's weird, you know? Um, and it's, you know, my guitars are, are not cheap because they take a really long time to do. And I'm still, even at that price point, not really making any money, but the, uh, it's a, you know, I do a lot of repair work as well. That's kind of that, that pays most of the bills, um, for the time being. And the, people bringing me repair, re, bring me repair work are kind of, you know, the, the local underground punk and metal bands, you know? Um, right. And so that's pretty interesting, you know, people, friends of mine who, who I've known for a long time that, you know, probably will never be able to buy one of my guitars. Um, or even if they were, it's maybe that's not something they value enough to spend, spend that kind of money on it, you know, cause you can buy a, a $400, sg and pay me 60 bucks and i will make it play awesome so you know um but yeah you know the stuff i'm building is it's it's a different it's a different thing it's i want them to be seen as you know as artistic works in in and of themselves but they are 
they are just tools you know they're just guitars they're they're even the super fancy ones they're supposed to be played you know they're not you know i had somebody ask if i'd build them something to hang on the wall and i was like well i will but it never never went through because i was like well i'm I'm going to say no to that, but the idea is that people are going to play these on stage and they're going to beat them up and they're going to, you know. They're going to use the instrument for what I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) What's that? I said they're going to use the instrument for what it's intended for. Like it's 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 supposed to be nice to look at. It's supposed to be aesthetically pleasing. That's like a big part of what you do. Uh, And there's you know, there's a lot of value in that. But also, I agree. You got to play the things. Come on. That's yeah, what they, that's what they're for. Yeah, and so if anybody's you know seen seen my seen my pictures online and said you know well that looks really nice, but I I can assure you that they you know I offer a lifetime warranty. They're gonna they're they'll stand up to anything. You know I the build quality and playability is is just as good as the looks. Very nice, very nice. All right. Well, we got a, a, just a couple more um, minutes here, and I'm. This will be an interesting question for you because I don't really know. Uh, you mentioned that you're not you're not the biggest gearhead until you got into into actually building the things. So I wonder if you'll have what your answer will be on this one. What All is right. your favorite boss pedal? My favorite what? Boss pedal. Favorite boss pedal. Oh. Well, that's pretty easy because I've only, you know, I've certainly played a bunch of boss pedals and I've owned owned a few. Um, the only one I've ever used regularly um, and still use is a DD20, the Giga Delay. Uh-huh. Um, so the band that I'm current, the only band I'm currently in right now, um, which is kind of on hiatus, um, so I haven't even had a pedal board for a long time. I used to have a giant homemade thing that was way too heavy and clunky and didn't close right. And um, I was in a weird noise band and I had tons, tons of weird stuff on there. It was all cheap, cheap pedals and stuff I built that didn't work right. But so <laughs> basically my, my pedal setup at this point, other than a tuner, I just have you know three pedals and the, that DD20 is one of them because it's, it's got you know four presets. And I think I've used the same four presets for the last eight years in this band. And I don't think I've messed I don't think I've touched it at all. But it's like those four presets, you know, that's for every, every song uses one of those presets at some point, probably. <laughs> and that's so, yeah, that's my, that's my favorite boss pedal, I guess. Um, the giga, the giga delay, you know, yeah, I, I have been asking that question more recently. I haven't. And I was going to say, so I, yeah, okay. okay. Cause I was going to say, but, I think, you know, I think the last episode of your podcast I listened to was from like three years ago, just yesterday. But uh, so I don't know what questions <laughs> you're asking now. Um, I'm like, uh, well, you're about to find out. You're about to find All out. Right. But no, that that one was uh, had been requested. I wasn't expecting by a boss people. question. I it's a it's a newer question. I think I probably started trying to ask that every time. I don't know, maybe maybe something like ten episodes ago. So it's still it's a pretty new okay. new sure. thing. Uh, well, I'm glad, I'm, I, glad I, I, had an, I'm glad I had an answer. <laughs> everyone has had an answer. And, you know, I, I really believe I've said this every time, but whatever. I really believed that this was going to be a little bit of a head scratcher of a question. Cause for me, it is, I have to really think about sure. it and it kind of changes from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. but everybody's been really like, Oh, it's this one. And everyone's been different so far. 
So yeah, that's been well, kind so like of an I, interesting insight. Like I said, fortunately for me, the, the one of the few pedals that I ever use at all is is a is one. So <laughs> there you go. Nice, nice. All right, now here's the big question. This one hasn't changed in a long time, okay. and it's it's the big one. So, what kind of pizza do you like? Sure. Okay. Well, I was expecting that one. Um, that's just just broadly, what kind of pizza? Because I like I mean, all kinds. Very of pizza. very specifically, what's your favorite kind of pizza? Um, well, how specific? Favorite from favorite pizza place? Favorite? Yeah. You know, go as detailed okay. as you want to make it. Well, probably the best pizza I've ever had is a place in, uh, you know, where Duluth, Minnesota is kind of up north on on Lake Superior. Um, well, Mm -hmm. so right across the Harbor from there in, uh, Superior, Wisconsin, there's a little brew brew pub, uh, called the thirsty pagan. Um, that says kind of a, it's kind of a half deep dish sort of pan pizza. That's probably my favorite pizza. And what's all in it? Well, they put whatever you want on it. I'm not. I'm not that picky about it. But if you, if I had to pick, generally, if I had to pick one topping for pizza, uh, green olives would have to be the answer. Okay. Wow. That's. I did not see that one coming. Green olives. But, that's ge- a polar but generally, uh, I will eat whatever kind of pizza is put in front of me. Um, it's got to have red sauce. Um, and easy on the seafood are my two only only like real pizza rules. Okay, easy on the seafood. I've only really had one seafood pizza. I really liked it, but it tasted like clam chowder, yeah. basically, because it was one of those sure. New England-style clam pies. I'm like, this yeah, is yeah. basically is like eating clam chowder not... in solid yeah. form. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not really a pizza, right? I didn't think like so, said, but it was good. Yeah. It was just it was clam chowder. In a I don't mind bread. a little bit of, you know, chopped up anchovy here and there, but go go easy on it, like I said, so. Yeah, anchovies. I I don't hate them, but but for me, it's like when when people go too heavy on the anchovies, and it doesn't take much. It's like that's all I can taste. It just takes over, right. and so yeah. eh, well, I want more. But I will I will eat pretty much anything. Um, and pizza is one of my favorite foods. In fact, this afternoon I need to make some dough because my wife and I are making pizza tonight. Oh, nice! I'm doing the same thing on sunday for father's day all right yes everything's coming together it's going to be a great weekend well thanks so much for coming on man this was a real real treat to talk to you and uh your guitars are amazing everybody make sure you go check them out and give them a follow and all that good stuff uh they're they're really really cool cool instruments and it was really fun to talk talk with andy so thank you very much for coming on yeah thanks for having me blake absolutely All right, everybody, for Andy, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Oh, man, that was a great episode, but I must be honest right now. I almost had a freak out just before I recorded what you're hearing right at this moment because I thought I'd lost the whole whole thing because my computer had a meltdown, but I didn't lose the whole thing. And I wouldn't have lost the conversation because those are saved on a separate server. But I thought I lost all the editing, but I was able to retrieve it. And so now I'm fine. But I did throw my headphones across the room. Just being in the, you know, in interest of transparency with the audience. 
But uh, <laughs> that was a great episode, and I really suggest that you go check out Andy's work. They really, really are beautiful instruments, and they really play and look quite stunning, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, make sure you check all that out. Make sure you check out our sponsors. Make sure you check out Gun Street Wiring Shop and String Joy. Please do. And again, if you're going to be in Nashville during Summer Nam, look me up. Uh, give me a shout and all that stuff. All right. Anyway, I will talk to you next week. And, oh, yeah, as always, there's there's more of this conversation on Patreon. So if you want to go to patreon.com slash tone mob, you can have a fresh, uh, fresh new episode featuring more of Andy. So we get into some pretty interesting topics on that one, and I had a lot of fun. So if that's your thing, that's where you go. All right, talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.